And that is how I felt God's spirit within me, giving me the strength to speak to these guys. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not a guy that I really could, I felt could speak well, eloquently or not, but God says, I'll give you the words. You just do the availability. I will use you. Mm. Trust me with all your heart, all your soul, all your body, and all your strength. You've got to trust me. Hi, and welcome to this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Today, we have Senior Chaplain Bill Potter. Now, here at Bot Radio Network, we have been talking for a while now, uh, maybe for the past year, we've had opportunity to give away copies of Chaplain Bill Potter's book, The Other Side of the Fence, Bringing Hope to the Lost. It's about the ministry that God has led him and his wife into into prison for over 40 years now, and I'm so looking forward to this time with Chaplain Potter. Chaplain Bill, welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint here on Bot Radio Network. How are you doing? I'm doing great this day. Thank you very much. As I mentioned, you've written this book called The Other Side of the Fence, Bringing Hope to the Lost. We're going to unpack some of the story. Really, the book is about your life, about these 40-plus years that you and Joan have served the Lord through prison ministry. Bill, when did you first discover that there is truth in and through the love of God specifically for you? Oh, I had attended a uh, Crucio weekend when I was in the Episcopal Church, and that's when I first had my first real encounter with God. Can we stop there a second? Because some of our listeners might not be familiar with the workings of the Episcopal Church. So could you kind of explain a little bit about what the Curcio is? Well, Curcio actually is a short, it's a abbreviated name. It's called Curcios de Cristiandad, which is Hispanic, it was just Spanish rather, and it means short course in Christianity. A retreat type of a program. Boy, first time, God touched me in a way that I, I never thought he would touch anyone, let alone, alone me. I felt I was a sinner, and boy, oh boy, I, I never thought God would touch me the way he did. He healed me when I needed healing, and I have praised him for that prior to this encounter. That particular weekend, uh, my wife was going away. I mentioned that in the beginning of the book. I was afraid for her going away. She was going out of state, lived in New Jersey. Then she was going to Connecticut, taking boys up there for a soccer tournament. She persuaded me to go on this Christian weekend. I did not want to go. On that weekend, I really thought there was some psychotropic drugs in the food. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, my goodness. Well, it was said that you were the most unlikely candidate to lead a successful prison ministry. What were the circumstances, Bill, of your life prior to entering a prison ministry that painted that type of picture of your life? Well, uh, I was... I was not the best of men as I should have been in, in the eyes of God. I mean, I was a womanizer. I uh, drank a lot. I gambled. Just all in all, I, I kept things hidden. My wife didn't know any of this. Most of my friends didn't. I did it in, in places where I would be out on a call and I would just go off on a tangent somewhere. But God brought me back to him. When I started to get involved in this Crucio program, as I say, and it touched my heart, and he changed my life. <laughs> and I'm so thankful that he had his hand on me all through my life. 
And, and Bill, isn't that wonderful that the gospel has that transforming power to do only what God can do? We can never do that, transform or change our lives. It's not about turning over a new leaf. It's about needing a new heart, and that's what Jesus does for us, right? Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, I did a 180, for sure. I, I knew of the gospel. I grew up and I was raised in a, in a Roman Catholic church, and when my first wife and I divorced and Joan and I uh, met and we married in the Episcopal Church, at that point in time when we got married, I was very materialistic in my point of view towards the church until that Crucio weekend when, when God grabbed me by my heart. Yeah. Well, at one point, you were kind of on a run from God, moving halfway across the country <laughs> to avoid working in the prison system. So, because I felt I deserved to be there rather than minister. Can we stop a second, Bill, and talk about even the thought of a prison ministry? I mean, you had never spent time in prison before. What was it about prison ministry that you thought that you needed to be connected with? Well, I really felt that I did not have the, the right to do that because I was a sinner. I should be there in those uniforms with those guys because I was no better than they were. God said, I choose you, you are who I created you to be, and this is what I have you to do for the rest of your life. Wow. And you know, it it blew blew me away that weekend. Yeah. And it seems like that's what God really has to do, really, to help us see ourselves that we are totally helpless in our own strength to accomplish the things he's calling us to do. And it's really not about our ability as much as it is our availability. Is that right? That's exactly right. I've often said that. I said that to the offenders many times. It's not your ability, it's your availability. God wants your heart, not your head. He'll get to your head through your heart. Yes. Well, what was it that God showed you that he was pursuing you no matter where you went from. You went from New Jersey to Colorado, through Texas and beyond. I mean, you totally were trying to ignore what God was speaking to you about. Oh, yeah, I was running away. I I, I felt a call to prison ministry while we were in New Jersey. Some friends of mine had a crazy idea of going in and doing this type of Crucio program in prison, and it was called Kairos, which means God's special time. And they were approaching me to get involved, and I, I... now, I was involved with the head of the Episcopal Crucio movement at the time, because I was still in the Episcopal Church, and I, I did a turnabout in, in getting closer to God and helping and doing what God called me to be, a helper. Not God helping me, but I was a helper. God needed my hands, my heart, my head. When prison ministry started there, and, and I was scared. I really was. I didn't want to get involved. I knew some friends of mine who were there. And they knew me, the prior me, let me put it that way. I just said, no, thank you. Lord, I'm getting out of here. You know where to send me. And sure enough, he directed me. I had a job offer to work for a calendar publishing house, selling uh, calendars in Colorado, Kansas, and Oklahoma. Money was good, and everything was great. I said, okay, God, this must be you leading me there. I got there, and there was an issue with, with the jails and people committing suicide, and and I prayed on it, and God said, go. God, I'm making enough money. I can send somebody else. I'll help support them. All I heard was go. Uh, can you speak just a second, Bill, into divorce you mentioned? Divorce is rampant right. today in many churches. Tell me about that process for you of walking through that divorce time. 
Well, I, I mean, I was heartbroken. It was not an easy divorce, but it happened. And three boys and, and one girl from that marriage. And we are still best friends, not only my children in their adult life, they're still my best friends. And they have blended in with my wife when she was also previously married. She had six children and I had four. I made ten. Ten children. You I know. Went... And everybody says, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And and I got to tell you what, only God, only God, only God can do things. But we have to be open and understanding. My wife and I were just that way. I mean, we made an agreement that we would not argue in front of the children, not that we hadn't had disagreements. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> over, over 46 years, you know. 46 years? We made an agreement years? that we, the kids would never hear us raise our voice to one another. Did you say 46 years now? 46 years ago. You first saw Joan, I believe, at a Weight Watchers meeting. Yes. <laughs> Something about her pretty blue eyes, Bill? Yeah, yeah, pretty blue eyes and red hair. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she was there with a couple of her friends, and, and they invited me to go to coffee with them at the Weight Watcher meeting, and we went out to a local diner, and that's where we first actually met. It was about a month later. I asked her out on a date, and, and she went, and we've been together ever since. Bill, how often do you think Christians fail to accomplish a work that God desires because we're so focused on our limitations, maybe lack of education, financial resources, or that we won't be able to stay the course he's directing us to follow? Well, I got to tell you, uh, there were times that we didn't have, my wife and I, when we first got to Colorado, that we didn't have two nickels to rub together. I was terminated from the position that I went out to work on because I was doing some some work in getting the Cusillo program going in Colorado, and or rather the Kairos ministry. God had laid on my heart when I got there, this is what you're going to do. And all of my friends that were involved in my prayer group were saying the same thing. They heard God telling them to tell me to go. And they all wound up, I prayed for every one of them, and they all came along with me. <laughs> <laughs> but the fingers kept pointing back to Bill Potter, though. Well, it was beyond me. It was just, I, I just said, okay, God, when, when God finally gets to you, and you, you, no matter where you turn, I went thousands of miles away from this prison ministry, and I'm, I'm right in the middle of it where God wanted me to be. I said, okay, God, I give up. Use me. I'm yours. I've been yours from the beginning. I didn't realize that until I was 40 years old. However you could use me, use me. I never looked back. I would kept my eyes up. My wife was my greatest supporter there. She, said, she always would tell me, get back into the Word. When I was struggling, the logistics of things, she'd say to me, get back in the Word. Study the Word. You know where to go. You know where your strength lies. And too many people try to say, okay, God, I can do this one. No, you can't. We need to follow God the way he's leading us, not lead God, because we can't anyway. But some people think they can. Bill, that is such a beautiful word there. And the fact that we need guidance, the word says that his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. We need to follow the word, as you're saying, in our daily life. I love about this story, too, is here you are at 40 years old, saying, God, use me. I think we have listeners today that might be in different phases of their life. They might be 40. They might be 60. They might be 80. I don't know. But God still can use and 
have a plan for them in ministry. Now, you've described yourself as a rickety old meat cutter. You, you worked for A&P <laughs> food stores for 17 and a half years. Now, we used to have A&P food stores here in Memphis when I was growing up, and they uh-huh. had the best pumpkin pies. And I remember oh, yeah. Thanksgiving time, we always loaded up on their pumpkin pies for the holidays. <laughs> but you were injured on the job, and after rehab the, and multiple back surgeries, that limit the physical labor that you could do. You took a job working as a manufacturing rep, selling candy and food items to schools. What did God teach you through that time? Again, this is just part of the growing process, and God molding you and preparing you for ministry. Well, it gave me a boldness that I was very introverted. By through the work that he led me to, when I had nowhere else to turn, no one else would hire me. I had to find a job to work on commission. I just was thankful that I had the position God put there before me. I recognized it was him. I recognized that no matter what I did or what I said, and I had gone through numerous, numerous appointments to sell uh, Hershey. We were repping for Hershey Foods, selling candy bars for fundraising. We had a good product. We had a good price. Nobody was interested. I made 31 calls, I believe it was, and I was done. I, I haven't made a sale. I was right in front of the next school I was going to go into, and I didn't want to go in there. They were staunchly with world's finest chocolates for years, and I was not going to get them away from them. I knew the history of what they were doing there, and God said, go. And I trudged in there. I, I really didn't make a, what I thought was an adequate presentation, and they bought the product. It was a salary for a month I made in, in a day. Hey, you know, Bill, it's so funny you mentioned world's finest chocolate. I'm literally holding a world's finest chocolate, dark chocolate bar in my hand right now because a lady in my office, her daughter, is selling these bars, and she brought me a couple of them. They're sitting on my desk right as we talk right now. It's in my hand. But, but <laughs> I love it. I love it. And it's a good product. It's an excellent product. They have an excellent program. Yeah. After that, I mean, I wound up before the year was out selling a million dollars in product. Oh, that is wonderful, Bill. Well, tell us about and I was the time. Blessed. Yes, you were very blessed. Well, tell us about the time at the Travel Lodge on North Nevada Avenue in Colorado Springs <laughs> where you bought a newspaper for the real estate listings. Yes, well, I went in there, and they had there were two papers in the, in the city. And I just picked that Travel Lodge just to stop him because it was in, in my, uh, on a map, you know, or a dictionary or somewhere or another. I found it, and I got there, and I, I was looking at it. So which newspaper I sent to the clerk? Which of those papers do you read? And he had a few choice words to say about one of them. So I took the one that he was in favor of. I went up to my room and started to look through uh, apartments for rent. And I found one and called the guy up. He said, I just listed that today. And I went down there and we made arrangements to see him the next day. It was great. I gave him a deposit. I looked out the, the balcony window and I seen the top of a church. And I says to him, you know what flavors? Christian church that is up there. He says, no, I don't. Well, I went walked around the block, really, and it was an Episcopal church. When they hired me, the calendar company hired me, I said to them, I'm going to live in Colorado Springs, because they wanted me to live somewhere in Liberal, Kansas, in the center of the, the tri-state area they wanted me to cover. And I said to them, if I'm going to be the man that's going to do the work for you, and I need to live where I feel my family's going to be safer and and involved in the Christian community there. And Colorado Springs is the place to go. 
And they said, okay. And that's how it all came about to get to Colorado Springs and, and start getting in with a group of Christian men and women, not looking at the flavor that they were, but at their heart. The heart they had for God in that church was vibrant, alive. Oh, it was beautiful. First, that next day when I went in, because it was on a Saturday, I put the deposit down. When I went into that house of worship that next day, wow, I was flabbergasted. So I, 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 just, I was almost fell on my face in, in, in worshiping God. What I found there. Well, it was in that church, Bill, that you joined a prayer group, and then there was a particular prayer request that became a topic in this new church. What was that prayer request? I asked them to pray for God to send someone into the jails for helping those men and saving those men from killing themselves. There were three suicides in a matter of two weeks in that jail. Yeah. And I said, we need to pray and get somebody there. And that prayer group just kept saying to me, go. They even called me during the day, get me hold, hold me on the phone and said, Bill, you really need to go. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> okay, God. <laughs> I, I called the chaplain down there, and, and he said to me, I really can't use anyone. Uh, many, many volunteers in the county jail try to state facility. They use more volunteers. I called down to the state prison, and they had... The chaplain there was going on vacation. They told me to uh, contact another volunteer, a man by the name of Bill Fay, blessed man of God. Talk to him, and he'll tell you all, all what's necessary to become a volunteer in the prison system. And I made an appointment to go see him. I'm telling him my story. And he's got the biggest grin on his face sitting there looking at me. And he said, Bill, I've been praying for months for God to send me someone who had the organizational skills to do Crucio in prison. And bingo, Wow. went on Kairos. Bill, this journey is just all designed by God. Every step along the way, God was bringing you to this specific place of service. You would eventually leave your day job because you were spending too much time in prison ministry. What was it that stirred your heart so much when you were actively engaging inmates inside the prison? I felt that the, the desire, the need, the hunger that they had for something, they've tried everything and it hadn't worked. Really, as a desperation, some of them, okay, I'll try God. But I had to walk amongst them and hold my head up and walking in a, in a prison by myself, no God with me, gates closing behind me, and these men looking at me and trying to size me up, what am I doing here? And some of them had, did not have the nicest of smiles on their face, but I would walk up to them and introduce myself to them, and they'd say to me, why, I watch you when you come in here, you're smiling, what are you smiling about? I said, you didn't see my friend with me? And they looked at me as if I was crazy. I said, let me introduce you to Jesus Christ. Some of them would turn and walk away, many stayed and listened. And that is how I felt God's spirit within me, giving me the strength to speak to these guys. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not a guy that I really could, I felt could speak well, eloquently or not, but God says, I'll give you the words. You just do the availability. I will use you. Mm. Trust me with all your heart, 
or your soul or your body, then all your strength, you've got to trust me. We have to get ourselves to that point to recognize that God has us all here for a mission. But he's not just given us here to lay around, do nothing, and drink or party or whatever. He has a uniqueness in providing joy and love and his presence, his spirit. Mm. I mean, <laughs> when, when you open up your heart, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I don't mean to preach, but I'm, I'm just saying that that's my heart. That's where my heart is ever since he laid that hand on the top of my head. And that Crucio weekend back in, actually it happened at, in Allentown, Pennsylvania, when I went on that Crucio. I had a mountaintop experience in Mount Pocono, Kirby Estate that was up there. They had donated that to the Episcopal Diocese of Allentown, and they used that for retreats and so forth, and that's how we, where I first went. But anyway, it, it, it's all okay. I was worried about my family back then, and I just prayed a prayer that day. I always go back to that. I think of that moment. I said, God, if you're real, be with my family. I felt the hand on my head, and I opened my eyes with a start. We're holding hands in a prayer circle, mind you. Everybody else got their eyes closed and, and praying, and there's nobody about around behind me or anything. So I closed my eyes and, and said that same prayer over again, and I felt that hand on my head. And a voice say to me, my son, I'm getting emotional with this, because I still feel that. My son, I am with your family. I want you to be with me. I just, I gave my heart to him then. I'm just thankful for him and all he has done and, and how he was able to use a broken down meat cutter. Oh, Bill, what a story. You know, over the course of your career, you were often told that you should write a book and share all the stories from the work that God has done, including all the ways God has worked in and through your life. Out of the yes. 40, out of the 40 years of prison ministry, maybe there's an inmate that you've built a relationship with over the years, Bill. I'm sure there's many of them you've built a relationship with, but is there one that stands out over the rest that has inspired and encouraged your walk with Christ? The one that stands out the most with me is a man by the name of Wesley. We still keep in touch with one another. He's living in Florida now. Uh, we vacation every now and again there. and I meet with him and his wife and got a beautiful family. What a blessing he has been. He was a convicted murderer. By God's grace, did he get out by him showing mercy on him, by God showing mercy on him. It was just amazing to see that man when he left and the joy in his heart when, when he went down there. And a guy by the name of Chris, a pastor down there, came up from Florida to pick him up and take him down there. I mean, that's a man that he had met through prison fellowship and uh, he established him working in ministry. He kidded around with me. He called me up the first day he got down there. He said, chap, you're not gonna believe this. He went to, this man Chris took him to his church affiliated with the rescue mission down there. Gave him a job over at the rescue mission. He said, chap, you're not gonna believe me. I got the keys to the place. He, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> he says, and now I'm, I'm the warden down here. Checking these homeless people in, he says, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> oh, isn't that just like God, Bill, to take what's broken and make something beautiful for his purposes? What do you say to someone, Bill, listening right now to us today that says, you know, God can't possibly use me. I 
don't have what it takes. I don't have a seminary degree. I'm struggling just to pay the bills. I've done too much things outside of God's will in my life. Where does someone with these type of excuses begin to reach out to God? That sounds like me. (laughs) When I started, you know, all I could tell is to lean on the Lord, read the Word. In the Word, you will find, you know, Jeremiah, it talks about Jeremiah, I believe it's Jeremiah calling to me, and I will tell you of strange and marvelous things that you know nothing about. Meditate on that, and that's what I did. I meditated on on the Word of God, myself in a, in a quiet place, study the Word, find that scripture that means something, that touches you, that really stands out. I mean, there's many, many verses in in the Bible that can stand out to a person, you know. And I prayed the Lord's Prayer, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That alone, what joy can come to your heart when you understand what that means. Focus on that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. I could, you know, in the presence of my enemies, all through that 23rd Psalm. I mean, God is with us. And we understand truly what that means. People think that God, God is passe. So God is right there with you, whether you realize it or not. You have to work at it. You work at your job. You work at doing other things. You work at, at sinning. You, you, you got to work at changing your life. And that change comes through the Word of God. I would encourage everybody. That's what I would say. The book is called The Other Side of the Fence, Bringing Hope to the Lost by Senior Chaplain Bill Potter, our guest today here on Mid-South Viewpoint on the Bot Radio Network. Chaplain Potter, God bless you, my dear brother. Thank you so much for spending this time with us and sharing your heart. The story is all in the book. Friends, get your copy. Let me encourage you to go to Bill's website. It's called chaplainbillpotter.com, chaplainbillpotter.com. You can also look at westbowspress.com, who actually published the book. The book is available at amazon.com as well. And you can get a Kindle copy if you would like. There's also soft and hardbound copies of the book, The Other Side of the Fence, Bringing Hope to the Lost. I think this book would be a great encouragement to someone walking in life right now. As we've described Bill's story, maybe you can relate to someone. Maybe you yourself need to read this book and be reminded how God can use you, friend. Thank you so much, Chaplain Potter, for sharing the story. And uh, we just pray God's richest blessings upon you, my dear brother. Thank you, my friend. Blessings to you, too. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.